everybody, this is Philip Riccobono, and this is episode 6 of the Coming to America Baseball.com podcast. They said it wasn't possible. They thought we'd get canceled after one show, maybe two. Uh, we're going to be without Mike Nino today. Mike Nino under the weather with the flu, him and his daughter in New York. We wish him well. So, coming to the show today, two of my buddies from the baseball business, two great writers, excellent writers, uh, is Jiho Yu from Yonhop here in Korea, the AP of Korea, and in Japan, um, Jason Koskri of the Japan Times, both baseball beat writers and columnists. Um, so, g- gentlemen, we are weeks away from the WBC, and... Japan and Korea have had some rivalry going now for some time in baseball and in history um, and in all different realms of life. And uh, first off, welcome to the show, guys, and I look forward to talking to you about this and many other things related to Japan baseball and Korean baseball. Joe, let's start with you. Why don't you tell the audience, uh, you know, for example, I told Nino a few weeks ago about this rivalry and he had no idea. He had no idea about the history between the two countries, and we've gone to in some in-depth uh, discussions about it um, in, in the documentary. Uh, it's Fighting, Cheering in Korea, an upcoming documentary, which Gio uh, is going to be featured in, and I hope to interview Jason on camera and get his take on it, too. But um, why don't you give the audience a little taste, a little brief history uh, between Japan and Korea, history-wise and baseball-wise. Well, you know, I don't know if I can give a, a, a brief history, uh, but long story short, it's pretty bit of rivalry, to say the least, between the three countries uh, when it comes to sports, to baseball, to soccer or football, I guess. Uh, uh, but I, I guess in baseball, uh, the history didn't used to be as long as, uh, I guess, soccer, uh, the rivalry, but within the, within the least, last, last uh, 10 years or so, especially with the World Baseball Classic, the two tournaments earlier, the Olympic, Olympic Games in 2008 in Beijing, it's gotten a lot, uh, uh, I guess, bigger, uh, a lot more intense in the two countries. I guess you can think of the Red Sox and the Yankees. Uh, I, I think I told you before in the documentary, you take the Yankees and the Red Sox maybe times 10 and 50, whatever. Uh, that's how intense these rivalries, I think, between Korea and Japan. And it's going to be no exception, uh, this uh, upcoming World Baseball Classic. Uh, I think 2006, they played each other three times by the quirk of the draw. 2009, they played each other five times. Wow. And Japan won, ended up winning the tournament both times. I think this year, they tweaked the uh, draw a little bit also. Um, I think the most times they can actually face each other might be three or four uh, in the second round if both countries get there and also in the final round in San Francisco. So um, it's a lot of the fans here, and also I, I'm pretty sure in Japan, uh, once again, looking forward to having these two countries square off in the baseball field. Jason, how do the Japanese people, J- Jason is an American living in Japan, sort of an outsider. Gio, on the other hand, is um, born and raised for the most part here in Korea. Uh, so maybe you have a little, you know, less uh, emotion going into it, um, Jason. But how do the, how do the uh, Japanese view this rivalry and, and the history of Japan and Korea? obviously a big rivalry here as well. Uh, it's just, it goes beyond baseball. It's pretty much, it's every sport, it's everything, just because of the, the highly politicized nature of things that have happened between the two countries in the past and 
all that stuff spills out onto the the sporting realm. As as you saw at the at the Olympic Games, there was the the Korean guy who held up the sign about the island, which wasn't supposed to happen because you you don't bring that stuff into the Olympics. So it's a rivalry that, especially in the government realms and in fandom realms, it's really heated, and that carries over to the field. Um, Japan, I think, however, for Japan, it's a big rivalry, but they want to beat America. That's pretty, in baseball, at least. America is, is the gold for Japan, and Korea is considered, they consider themselves higher baseball-wise than Korea, and they, they always want to beat Korea because there's just the rivalry, the Asian supremacy, the bragging rights, but I think it's still on a little bit lower tier than the rivalry with, rivalry with America, but it's intensely so much more heated than any other rivalry I can think of. Well, so um, Jason, have you interviewed? Have you started um, prepare? Oh, did you cover the 09 WBC, by the way? Yes, I covered the whole thing. Okay, did you uh, interview any of the players about this rivalry, uh, or fans, or anyone? Can you share that? Well, most of the players, pretty much, they you know they told the company line, we we just wanna it's a big rivalry and we wanna win it. That's pretty much all anyone said for the most course there was you know, other things but for the most part they always just they kept they stayed on track they stayed on course we want to beat Korea it's a big rivalry for us and we want to win the game how about, how about on the other side Gio I, I know you're starting to prep and you didn't cover the uh, 09 WBC but have you gotten a feel for this uh, have you asked any of the players you know what will happen if you face Japan or asked them about this rivalry at all sure well I mean it doesn't take much to get Korean players to be about playing Japan uh, in any sport, really. And, you know, in, in 09, the final was between Korea and Japan, and Korea ended up losing in extra innings. 5-3, I think the score was, with each row single up the middle. Um, and, and Tom Gunu, who's the second baseman for the SK Wyverns, uh, he was the last out in the game. He struck out looking, I think, against Yu uh, uh, Darvish. And he said uh, their memory still bothers him to this day, and he, you know, he was nothing less than facing on taking on Japan in the final. And this is with WBC and be, 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 be a big part of the championship winning for Korea. And two things for Korean players. One, they want to win the WBC. And two, they want to beat Japan to win the title. So, uh, you know, Jason talked about the Japanese players wanting to beat the Americans ultimately. But for Koreans, uh, especially in baseball, it's always Japan. Uh, you know, I think the Korean players tend to have this sort of feeling inferior uh, to Japan. You know, it's a smaller country. Uh, Japan has got uh, a lot more high school uh, teams, bigger school, bigger league, uh, more, uh, more uh, longer, uh, this professional league with longer history and all that. Right. And Korea's been able to beat them in international tournaments on a few occasions. I think they take great pride in the fact that they beat Japan uh, twice in, in route to the gold medal in Beijing. Uh, took them to the final, into extra innings in the final in 09 WBC, and, and they believe the next step is actually to beat him in the final, and this is WBC. Well, they're probably bound to play each other. Um, it looks like uh, people are picking Korea to win their pool. Um, Jason, we'll get into it a little bit later on. Japan may have a little bit of a tougher road in the first round. Um, 
But let's just before we move on to this this next this current WBC, let's just uh, rehash a little bit about what Ichiro said. Jason, do you want to cover that? What what Ichiro had said about the Korean team and and really added fuel to this rivalry. Uh, which comment that he threw? Any where they felt it for the next thirty years? That one is good. Yep. <laughs> yeah. yeah that, I think a little bit. I think that's been a, a little bit overblown. Actually, I think that was more of a like a rah-rah speech by Ichiro just just to get his just to get his team fired up. Uh, I know. In the major leagues, before every All-Star game that Ichiro participated in, there's this legendary speech that he's supposedly supposed to have give, given. And no one outside the locker room has ever heard it. And all the players always say that it's the most just fired up, profane thing. Just so many expletives. And which makes it even more funny because a lot of them didn't know he spoke English as well as he did. And it's just something he'd never say in public. Something he'd never you know, really vocalize that much. I think it's kind of the same thing. He's trying to get his team fired up, and Ichiro takes it personally. He took it personally in 2006, the two times Japan lost to Korea. So, you know, the rivalry really touches him. He's one of the older players, too. So um, I think it's a little bit blown out of proportions. Obviously, it rubbed Koreans the wrong way, and I guess rightfully so if that's how they felt. But I don't particularly think it was Ichiro really taking up big shot at Korea more so than it was Ichiro just taking a shot at whoever Japan was going to play next. Did he mention, I thought he mentioned something about the Korean team being inferior uh, to to Japan. I think he said that in 2006 maybe. I don't exactly remember when exactly he said something to that effect but I mean and that's the general feeling but then again that's also the general feeling I guess around the world probably is that it's America, Japan, Korea, and you don't want to lose to the team that's seen as below you in the rankings. Same way the Americans obviously probably don't want to lose to the Japanese, and the Japanese don't want to lose to the Koreans. I think what Jiho was saying about the Koreans, maybe a slight inferiority complex to Japan because it's a smaller country, more high schools, bigger talent pool, bigger league, all that stuff applies for Japan to America as well. And so I think in that case, a lot of some of that was that's just the way everyone sees it. Japan is superior to Korea in baseball. Right. Well, good. It's it's going to be it's going to be a heated rivalry no matter uh, how you slice it. It's going to continue, and it's great for the the baseball world. Gio, um, have you gone out and started interviewing the players about this upcoming? Uh, uh, WBC, have you kind of got a, f- a feel for what's going on? I know you're going to be covering it. Yeah, well, actually, a lot of the, well, all the Korean players are uh, overseas now. Uh, they're training uh, in different parts of the world, some in Arizona, uh, some in, uh, uh, I guess, in Japan, mm-hmm. it's the warm parts of the world, and getting ready for spring training, uh, their season, and some of the national team guys at their WBC. So I have not been able to actually interview the players in recent weeks, but I did have a chance to meet some of them. Uh, I guess last month, when the uh, when the new uniform was unveiled and, and some of the players came up uh, in their new uniform and talked about the, their upcoming tournament. Uh, again, the whole focus of the meeting and the whole occasion was basically beat Japan, win the title. Um, really, uh, uh, these players, are, a lot of them played in 09. You know, they still have the memories of the final loss to. Japan in 09, and it seems like they almost 
they're almost looking too far ahead. Uh, they've got the first round match uh, coming up in, in Taiwan against Taiwan, Australia, and, and the Netherlands. And just never know in baseball. You've got to play the game. Uh, Korea could win the pool or Korea could be eliminated from the pool. So you can't really afford to look that far ahead to the second round and beyond in this tournament. But I think a lot of the Koreans, uh, they have already begun to do that, uh, looking ahead to maybe uh, playing Japan in Tokyo, uh, in Tokyo at Tokyo. Yeah, the following weekend, absolutely. Now, guys, both of your teams that you're covering don't have a Major League base Baseball player on their roster. What? And, and I spoke with David Kim, a, a scout with the Twins, a few, uh, last week on the podcast, and he said, you know, it really doesn't mean anything. These teams are tight. They know each other. They've been playing with each other for years. How do you feel about that? And how does how do your respective countries feel about that, that they, they do not have an MLB guy on the roster? Uh, you mean to go ahead first? Or? Yeah, Gio, why don't you take that first? Sure. Well, you know, it's a different situation, I think, for Japan and Korea because Japan, even without their major league players, it's a pretty deep team. But with Korea, uh, even after Lee Hyun-jin signing with the Dodgers in, in December, Korea had two, I guess, major league ball players, uh, with, along with uh, Shin Se-chu, who is now playing for the Cincinnati Reds. And when, when these two guys kept off the roster for, I guess, different reasons. Their, their commitments to the big league clubs in their, in their first year for you, uh, Lee Hyun-jin and, and for Chu, first year in, in, in the National League. When, when these two guys were dropped off the roster, uh, I, I think it, it dealt a, a big psychological blow to the rest of the team. Uh, you know, they were going to look to uh, Chu for some of the leadership that he provides also in the clubhouse, having been a, a full-time major league position player. Uh, for Korea in, in the past four, four or five seasons. And Lee Hyun-jin, he's really been the best pitcher for Korea for many years now, uh, both in the KBO and also internationally in WBC and Beijing Olympics. And he's gone. And I, I think more than anything, it's really done, dealt with a psychological blow to the rest of the team. And uh, even, uh, I guess, Korea now has uh, one former major league pitcher, Bong Jung-gun, uh, Jung-bong, who used to pitch for the Braves and the Reds, uh, but not... Uh, he did not have such a great career. I was cut short uh, in the mid-2000s. He can't have to come back. Uh, he, uh, he also, actually, well, let, let me uh, let me correct myself. Hong uh, Jung-gun, who was a closer for the LG Twins in the KBO, he was on the team. Uh, he, he pitched great against Japan in 09 WBC, but he was dropped off the roster with an injury. Now, the one former Major League player that they have now is Jay Sov, the former member of uh, the New York Mets, Padres, and one time Tampa Bay Ray, uh, he's a veteran pitcher for the Kia Tigers in the KBO. He's the only guy on the team right now with, uh, with at least uh, some major league, major, league, uh, major league experience. And Jason, how about Japan? How do they feel about uh, Ichiro and Darvish not coming onto the team? Um, it's, a, it's an MLB-less roster. Well, I think I think people are actually a little more understanding of it than I, I thought they would be initially. initially but... Japanese team is still got a, a pretty good roster even without major leaguers on it. I think the the whole major leaguers not major leaguers on it thing is it's I don't know I think it's, it's a lot of people make a lot of it but if you look at the first WBC there were two major leaguers and Japan won it. If you look at the last WBC there were four or five the only four or five in Japan won it. The thing is how talented are the players on the roster you've got now? 
Like in two, let's take 2009 for example. There were six guys who weren't on major league rosters that went on to sign major league contracts: Kawasaki Nakajima, Aoki Fujikawa, Darvish, and Iwakuma. Those guys weren't on major league rosters, but they were all they all had major league skills, major league talent. And I think you see that with this team. You've got Tanaka, Sakamoto, and guys like Yoshio Itoi. So. I think the lack of major leaguers for Japan is kind of a point of... I think Koji Yamamoto, the manager, is kind of using that as a rallying point and as a point of pride that, you know, this team is made in Japan and we really want to, you know, go out and show everyone what Japan can really do without our major leaguers. So they say they have something even more to prove now. Um, guys to watch for. If, if you looked at the 09 uh, tournament... You had Darvis, Arnaldus, Chapman. Uh, in 06, it was Matsusaka. They kind of made a name for themselves in those tournaments. Let's start with Jason and then uh, Gio. Tell me, who do you think will break out and uh, shine upon the baseball world and then get that Major League Baseball contract? Uh, Jason, let's start with you. Well, I, I think the main guy people are going to be looking at for the Japanese team has got to be Masahiro Tanaka. For the, he's a, a pitcher for the Toku Rock Ten Golden Eagles, the same team where Iwakuma pitched for so long. And yeah, Tanaka is a he's a heck of a ball player. He's got he's got a great fat, he's got a good fastball. He's got a great slider. He's strong. He's he's young. He's he's, he's just an electric kind of pitcher. He's 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 got that he's got a Darvish mentality about him. He doesn't have Darvish's array of pitches, but he's kind of got. He's a really confident guy, and I think he can really put his stamp on this on this tournament the way Darvish did, the way Iwakuma did, the way Dice K did in 2006. I think another guy you know to look out for is Yoshio Itoi, who might who might be the best all around player on the Japanese team. He's a great right fielder. He's he's a great hitter. He can hit all fields. He's a great base runner. The one thing Itoi can't do is hit for power. He can hit for a little power, but he can't do it particularly consistently. But Itoi is—he's just an all-around talent. He's a great guy. And um, then on the, in the bullpen, there's Tetsuya Yamaguchi, who's who's kind of separating himself from the pack as far as relievers on the Japanese team. Although he's not a closer, he's more of a, a left-handed specialist who can—he's evolved from a left-handed specialist to a left-handed who can get out anybody. And he's he's a great player in that and. One guy who's not particularly close to posting or free agency is probably Hayato Sakamoto, the shortstop of the Giants. Although he's kind of a hit-and-miss kind of player, Sakamoto, he's a pretty good defensive shortstop. He's pretty good with the bat. He's got some power. He's got some speed. He's he's one of the top all-around players. As you know, He's not as good as he's toy, in my opinion, as far as all-around skills, but and Sakamoto's a guy that he loves the clutch. He loves the big moment. He plays for the Yomiuri Giants, which is the Yankees mm. of the Yankees of Japan. It's probably the most apt description. So I think those guys really have a chance to make a name for themselves. Great. And Gio, how about on the Korea side? Well, sure. Well, there's a lot of names for Japan. I, I, yeah. I think of two guys that really stand out to me, uh, both infielders. One of them is Kang Jong-ho, the shortstop. For the next heroes in, in, in the KBL, and full disclosure, he's actually my favorite KBL player. Uh, he, you walk into a room, he takes a few. He just looks like a ball player. How far away is he from becoming free agent? Uh, I think three or four years. Three okay. Years, uh, before he he becomes eligible to either be posted or, or to be a free agent, but he's only about 24, 25. 
He's got the military service out of the way mm-hmm. after winning the gold medal in the Asian Games in 2010. He was a big part of the team when, when, when they won the gold medal. Uh, he, he's a, I guess, prototypical 5-2 guy. Uh, he had a 2020 season uh, with the Nixon in, in the KBO. He's got a, he's got a great arm from shortstop. Uh, his range is improving. So he's got a great arm. I think the best arm on shortstop in the, in the KBO. Can hit for power, can run, uh, can hit for average, 300 plus. And one other guy that really uh, stands out also for me is Trey Jung, the third baseman for the uh, SK Wyverns. I think yes. he does become a free agent next season after this coming season. Mm-hmm. Uh, three straight years of 300 average, at least 20 homers and 15 steals. Uh, also 2020 for himself this year. Great glove uh, on that on hole. I would compare him to. He's sort of like Korea's, uh, I guess, David Wright or even Ryan Zimmerman. Uh, the third baseman that can do it all, really, uh, plus the steal of a few bases. He, he can hit in clutch in the, in, the, in the playoffs. He's come up really big for, the, for his wide club in the KBO. Um, I think these two guys uh, will, make, will make a noise for, uh, in, in the tournament uh, because I think a lot of, a lot of major league scouts, when, when they look at the Korean teams, they're mostly focused on pitchers. But I think this is about time that some of the position players will uh, make an impact. And I, I bet my money on Choi Jung and Kang Jung Ho to really come through for Korea in this upcoming tournament. Among the pitchers, uh, I think with the, with the limit on the pitch count, uh, there's going to be some pressure. Simone said that's going to fall on the, on the relief pitchers from the, from the bullpen. Uh, there's one name uh, that I want to mention. is Park Hee-soo, who's one of the KBO's premier setterman. He's a lefty. Uh, he, he does not overpower anybody, but he can, he's got a pinpoint accuracy with, his, uh, with his, all of his pitches, uh, fastball, uh, his changeup, his, his curve. Um, I think he's going to be go out, going, going out there, taking the mound quite a, quite a few times. He's a lefty. Uh, Korea does not have does not carry a lot of lefties to this tournament uh, this year, so he's going to be uh, pitching in a lot of games, a lot of innings, um, and I think he's going to uh, surprise a few scouts. And who is he with? Who's he? Which KBO team? Oh, sure, sorry, SK Wyman. SK. Okay, is he close to getting posted or free agency? Um, you know what? I, because he's a relief pitcher. Uh, I don't think he's met that uh, the requirement, uh, the, the, the inning pitch requirement yet. He's been around a few years. I think it might be, he might be a two or three years years away from free agency. Okay, so those are the guys to look out for in the WBC, uh, who may get you know a little bit down the road, get into uh, North America and play in the in the big leagues. Um, let's let's uh, shift gears away from the WBC for a minute. Um, the monster, Ryuhi Jin. what's up with him, Gio? Well, you know, I'm hearing some of the, some, some negative reports from my sources and my friends in L.A. that, uh, uh, he's not, uh, really been working himself into shape. Uh, I guess, uh, pitchers and catchers have reported to spring camp, spring training already, or they're about to? Uh, I think next week, day. next week, yeah. Next week, okay. Um, you know, there, there's been a lot of, uh, all sorts of reports coming out of the U.S. media. Uh, some say he's, some say the Dodgers overpay for him. Some say he's going to be a solid uh, a rookie of the year candidate, even number three, number four starter on the Dodger rotation. Uh, but I think I've told you this before, uh, all fair. Uh, I'm counting on some big things for him in, in his first year. I think it's he's he's good for a, a double digit a number of victories in his first season in the big leagues. Um, uh, I think it's going to be fine. Well, is it? Uh, you think it's just the fame and the money and the age and the freedom that are getting to him? Is that what you're hearing? No, well, 
this one I'm hearing, but I don't think uh, we should be really necessarily concerned about that. He's a pretty self-motivated guy, and despite his appearance, uh, he's, uh, you know, he hasn't really kept himself, I guess, in optimal shape. He's more like, he's very more like David Puma Wells, or I guess Chris Sabathia, uh, uh, but I guess uh, he's, you know, he's always uh, been there and it really come, it comes through in, in big moments for his Hanwha Eagles team in KBR for the national team in Korea. Um, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not really concerned about some of the reports I'm hearing right now. Okay. As I know, you uh, had mentioned something about him during the week. Mm -hmm. So, Jason, um, on the other side, uh, back to the WBC, I read something about uh, Japanese officials want Sadahara O to go if they make it far into the tournament. Have you heard anything about that? Yeah, just the, the commissioner, he, he would just like... Um, Okantoku and Satsuno Yahara to both be there if Japan were to make it to the final. It's it's kind of a, mostly a symbolic gesture. O was there in 2009, and of course Hara was the manager, so he's just asking the former managers if they would, if they could, you know, squeeze some time out of their schedules to go and be a part of it in case Japan were to make it to the final, which it would be a lot easier for O than it would be for Hara because Hara is actually still managing a team. So that's what that was about, mostly. Okay, and it will be a tough road to get there. Can you talk about the the strength of the, or the you know the schedule that Japan is facing in the first round and the second round if they make it there? Well, Japan should make it through to the second round. I, w I would be surprised if they didn't make it to the second round at least. Facing Cuba is going to be the main opposition, but that would pretty much be to winning. It'll be you know either Japan or Cuba are going to win the pool, and the other one should finish second. Um, I don't. I don't really see China or Brazil putting up much of a fight. I mean, of course, one game situation. You don't know what can happen. You don't know who gets lucky, who gets cold, who gets hot. So anything can happen. But I would imagine Japan's going to have a decently easy time moving on. As far as whether or not they're going to win the pool, it's going to come down to that the sixth game of that first round in at, in Fukuoka when Japan faces Cuba. But the Japanese just finished beating Cuba in a two-game exhibition series in November. Although I would imagine the Cubans didn't weren't didn't really show their whole hand, and Japan didn't either. But in the second round, obviously, it'd be a little bit harder because Korea is going to be there. And Korea has always been a very tough opponent for Japan internationally. I think they, they split their eight WBC meetings. So um, I think the road for Japan is going to get tougher in the second round when it should be them fighting it out for two spots with Korea and Cuba. Gio, do you anticipate a lot of, a big Korean contingency going over to Tokyo uh, if Korea does make it to that second round? I, I do. I do really. I, I think uh, you know, baseball, the interest in professional baseball in Korea has never been higher. Uh, if you just, just look at the raw numbers and the attendance figures in the KBO, uh, there's been a record, amount, record number of uh, fans going to these, these games and, and the league has set the single season record for each of the past three or four years in a row. Uh, so I'm pretty sure a lot of fans will be traveling to Tokyo to watch the Koreans if uh, they do get there. Uh, it's not, I guess, that much of a big if uh, for Korea to get past the first round. They're paired with Australia, the Netherlands, Taiwan, and, uh, and Korea. They're in the first group, uh, and Paul will be in the first round. Uh, Korea should be able to make it past that stage, which it was set up, as Jason said, a, a matchup between... Uh, Korea and Japan, also Cuba. So you look at looking at Cuba, Japan, and Korea, three uh, pretty, I guess, strong baseball uh, countries, and one of them actually has to go home after the second round. So 
Um, I think it's, it's just a really fascinating matchup in the six-month in Tokyo. Dome. So you will not have a Japan-Korea semifinal. That's out of the question. Well, I think we could because no, we no, you can't. Oh, no? right, okay. Yeah, the full right. one, full right. one winner runner up match up against their counterparts in the So we could have a final between Korea and Japan. Right? It could be a final, yes. Yeah. Right. Okay, so that rivalry could, uh, you know, certainly stay alive to the bitter end of this thing. Um, let's go for predictions here, Gio. Oh, sure. predictions, huh? Yep. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I think Korea will be actually eliminated from the second round this year. Wow. Jason? Um, I, I think I'm, I may be a little more on the optimistic side. I think Japan, a lot, there's a lot, Japan's going to be underrated a lot because of the um, lack of major leaguers. But I think, and this, this kind of applies for Korea too, the fact that they are so ready earlier in the season, earlier in the year, I mean, Japanese teams are already in spring training. I think the fact that they're ready normally so early in, early in the season gives them a little bit of an advantage over like Western teams who are still rounding in the game shape, who don't regard the WBC as importantly as Korea and Japan both regard the WBC. And I think that makes a little bit of a difference. I, I expect Japan to at least make it to the semifinal. At, when, they, when you get there, anything can happen. I wouldn't be surprised to see them in the final. I wouldn't be surprised to see them. Uh, okay, so we have a tweet here from uh, Frankie G eight one eight. He asked about Otani pitching and playing the outfield. What's up with that, Jay? Well, yeah, he's he's gonna be he's gonna be given the opportunity to do both. They're letting him at spring camp right now. Although he's with the farm, they're letting him, you know, get his feet wet and a little bit of pitching, and let him get his feet wet as far as batting wise and. The, the thing about the outfield has come up because the fighters traded away Yoshioi Toy, and so there's a hole in right field now that it's probably going to be filled by Atsushi Ugamori or Keisugi or some combination or someone else. But, you know, if they, those guys can't get the job done or somebody needs to breathe it, then there's a chance Otani can step in. He's been doing a little bit of fielding practice, though that's been at, at um, second base, been watched over by the shortstop Makoto Kaneko. But, yeah, Kuriyama said that they're going to give him a chance to, to do both. They're letting him practice at both. And um, right now, the the modus operandi is just wait and see. They're going to see how he does pitching and batting at camp, and then they're going to go from there and try to get him into some games in March. And Otani, again, Shohei Otani is the 18-year-old phenom, throws in the high 90s, um, almost became the first... Japanese high school player to go directly to MLB affiliation, but uh, kind of pulled out at the last second, was talked out of it by Nippon Ham Fighters manager, and uh, so this would be historic. Uh, you know, when's the last time a, a pitcher also played as a regular position player or even a semi-regular position player? I can't remember. I mean, I know Jim Allen, who, tw who just tweeted in and... Uh, Said he, he wishes he could be in Taichung and uh, Fukuoka at the same time. Uh, Jim, Jim would absolutely know who it was. I believe it was a guy in the 70s, but I'm not entirely sure about that. I can't even remember the last time it was in the major leagues happened. Maybe Michael Owings was one of the last guys to do it, even in the States. So I'm not sure. 
not something that happens often, I don't think. And then, Jason, um, how do fans get in touch with you? Uh, one. And two, what do you got cooking right now? Uh, I suppose the easiest way to get on, in contact with me would be on Twitter, at jkoskery, um, or through the Japan Times. We, we've actually just revamped our website, so we've got comment sections now and that kind of thing. Or an email through the Japan Times. And what I'm working on right now, I'm just getting ready for the WBC while simultaneously preparing for the MPB regular season, scouting reports, you know, who looks good, who looks bad, who should win, who shouldn't win, that kind of thing. I'm looking forward to that. Sounds like a lot. Gio, how about yourself? The WBC is coming up, uh, and also the regular season, so I have to be get ready for that. Plus a new uh, uh, professional uh, soccer season also starting in March. And the basketball playoffs coming up, so a lot of uh, events going on for myself. Um, but uh, you know, I'm one of those. I like to say I'm one of the lucky guys who gets paid to watch sports. Uh, so I'm counting up blessings. Great. And how do we get in touch with you on Twitter? Uh, sure. Well, you know, I've, I've got a Twitter. Uh, you can follow me at Jeeho underscore one. That's J E E H O underscore one. Or you can find me on Facebook, I guess, uh, facebook.com uh, slash jihoyu. That's J-E-E-H-O-Y-O-O. Great, guys. Now uh, that I've introduced you, hopefully you guys will get to meet in Tokyo in, in uh, the second week. Second weekend of March, is it? Yeah. So look out for each other. I think, uh, I think that's about it. We've got uh, the WBC coming up shortly. Uh, wait, let's just see here. We have one more. Oh, Jim Allen. Jason's buddy. Look forward to this. Wish I could be in Taichung and Fukuoka at the same time. Okay. That's Jim Allen from uh, another podcast, Japan Baseball Weekly. Yeah, Jim Allen is one of the most knowledgeable people about Japanese baseball that, that you can find. Yes. Next, well, right along with uh, Robert Whiting, right? Would you put him in that uh, mm -hmm. category? Oh, Absolutely. yeah. Absolutely. Yes. Um, so that's about it. And Jason, when are we going to have a book coming out from you on your your uh, adventures in Japan and and J Japanese baseball? Uh, <laughs> I, I would. I don't know about that. Uh, hopefully one day. Okay, guys, we'll stay warm and uh, enjoy getting ready for the WBC. I'm sure I'll see you guys in the next few months. And thanks for coming on today. Okay, okay guys, take care. Bye. 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 Okay, so that was Jason Koskri of the Japan Times and GOU. Great guys, great writers, um, and they will be covering the WBC. I want to, again, uh, my best wishes to Nino, who is uh, fighting, uh, who is under the weather, and his daughter Bella, a little cute cousin, is uh, also has the flu. That's why he didn't show up this time. But uh, we'll get him back. Uh, the next few weeks, I will be traveling. And I uh, hope to come to you from uh, Taiwan or Japan with a, uh, a podcast from there in the future. So take care. Uh, stay warm and enjoy. Uh, for myself, Philip Riccobono, and Nino, who, who is off this week, this is the ComingToAmericaBaseball.com podcast. Uh, you've been listening to it here on this Frigid, February 7, 2012. Take care. Bye-bye.